Future Hacker Life Path Future. Welcome back, everybody. This is the second episode with JP Mello for Future Hacker. So let's move on. We're talking about so many interesting things, right? Let's move to the super trendy non-fungible tokens NFTs universe. So basically, NFT started by being applied, especially to e-gaming, by selling digital assets. And now it's being applied to arts. So you have all those artists trying uh, this uh, different way to monetize their business by digitalizing everything and selling online. Do you believe the evolution of NFT would be somehow to bring it to the physical world? And how do you see the practical use of this applied to your industries? That's a great point. So first of all, the non-fungible tokens, I think it's something that it's a technology that we're still experimenting based on blockchain, which we're learning as we go, you know, cryptocurrencies from blockchain, NFTs and many others that we're learning to use blockchain with. And I think NFTs are going to be the next merchandise, if you will, or even fan items, right? That you can either buy them at a store, you can bid on them like they're being done as we speak. We can, you can build them and sell them and monetize on them. So like you, you can sell and monetize your own data. That's you're selling, you're monetizing your, your own moments, if you will. And in a way that uh, these assets amongst, you know, art, sports and, and everything, it's going to be one additional product line or service line. Let's put product line that you can buy and interact with now. To make it physical, never thought about it. This is a great question, great point. How do you make something tangible over those virtual experiences? I think that you can use elements like 3D printing of the future, right? So let's say you build a virtual painting, right? In, in Switzerland and somebody makes a bid for it. And that's an NFT that you own the rights to, to that image. If I own the right to that image, to that moment, I also own the right to have a physical painting of that moment. So let's put, I think there, there was a, a collage sold by 60 plus million dollars, if I'm not mistaken, worth of, I don't know how many years, 15 years of work of somebody and somebody bid it for 68 millions. So I wanna, I wanna make it 3D. I wanna use all the technologies that I can and tangibilize that asset. So. I think it's more an ego trip, if you will, of people that wants to show. And then, yeah, it's a total ego trip. But but at the same time, you have others that are very sentimental because one thing is an ego trip and the other is, no, that really means something. For example, if I own a piece of a song like Kings of Leon, they made their album as a, an NFT. I think they sold it for a couple million dollars. But as a musician, everything that I can do with music, if I have the, the, the means to, of course, it's going to be an experience that I want to have. For example, I participated in a, a thing called the Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, where you pay to play with great, you know, artists. Like I played with Kisses, Gene Simmons. I played with, you know, the guys from ACDC. I played with the guys from Yes in stages like uh, the uh, House of Blues or even the Playboy Mansion. We played in a show with Aerosmith there. Yeah, when <laughs> when Howard Hughes was alive. So these are meaningful experiences so if i can bring that memory in a way that i can tangibilize it can be collaborated amongst other if people are interested to pay that 
fine, let's monetize it. But for me, it's meaningful. And if I can make it tangible, physical, even better. So I think uh, I think you have a great point there, how we tangibilize NFTs moving forward. Yes, I was actually thinking, you know, now that we're talking about it, right? So if in the future it's going to be common for us to just uh, ship ourselves, like, couldn't I be NFTing myself? And let's say you are into the music industry, you are a genius, but like most people in the industry, they have no money to be practicing and, and training and developing, or you're an artist with no money. Could they be just NFTing themselves and people would be sponsoring just, just <laughs> you know, that's a way of sponsoring someone to be able to develop themselves. And I don't know, goodness. You have a great point there, Maria, because one thing that I was, you know, learning from your podcasts, I cannot remember who's, and then apologies for that, but I think there's also a way that we'll be able to learn from one's memory and one's experience, connecting everybody in a network, a neural network using, you know, the internet or any type of technology to communicate that. So if I can learn how to play the drums by Neil Peart, who is no longer with us, but his memory would be, you know, something that I could buy that experience and then learn from it and get the chops. And even though I don't have the physical aspects, but I can do a micro cyborging my arms to, to play like him as fast as he can play, you know, playing Tom Sawyer or YYZ. That would be incredible. And that experience and that exchange could be something there on how to portray physically an emotion and a learning status so you can have that emotion to yourself. Okay, so let's move on with this trip. Um, you know, according to Ted Shilowitz, he's a futurist for Paramount Pictures. I'm quoting him. So he said, we're entering the age of screenless screen. Of what a screen will be will not look like anything that we exist today. It will be a virtual layer of reality that will feel transparent to us. You also mentioned about this hypersurface when we were talking, the surface that you know you just, just put a sensor that you can't connect anything anywhere, and it makes it connectable. So it's this black mirror plus minority report and all around us, right? I'd like you to comment on two points here. How far do you believe we are from having this hyper-connected world around us? And for sure, it's beginning with the 5G that is it's spreading. And it's inevitable to talk about the increasingly importance of cybersecurity because by being hyper-connected, you are being extremely vulnerable and super hackable, right? So are we getting prepared as much as we should like is the speed of innovation on safety and security and protection as fast as the speed of innovation of everything else that is going on out there those are two completely distinct questions and answers that i will try to portray here that i love the positioning of it but let's let's divide it by two moments so first i'll talk about the screenless experience if you will so we're we're walking there are industries and there are companies that are building high-end glasses, for example, for us to start interacting with them. Like uh, people build, I don't know, the first TV set when, you know, it was a tube, a black and white tube, and then evolved to what we have today on 4K, 8K, and futurely 16K on hyper-definition. 
things are moving also to that space on the personal or the more wearable technologies such as glasses or VR glasses. Today, VR glasses, they have the pixels sizes, uh, you know, a little bit large, but they, you know, I would just, again, on the sensors conversation just before our podcast, talking about the future of the next generation embedded technology for VR, AR type of engagement using glasses, right? And I think a, a step further than that to have that kind of feeling because one, when you have a highly pixelized surface that you interact with today, you feel dizzy after maybe 15, 20 minutes interacting with a VR unit. And then with these types of technologies, the uh, objective is to lower that kind of feeling so we can be more even more real like a metaverse like ready player one and by the way they're filming ready player two movies so you know you're going to be immersed in the metaverse and with technologies that to your point and ted's point on paramount pictures we're not going to be having you know a screen as we know of experience because i think we're going to be embedding the technology within our ocular system so this is something that you know, it's going to blend in what is happening with bionics on the medical line for sports, even when you have that kind of screenless experience and how you're able to bring the data to these screens is the second point that you mentioned, Maria, right? Using 5G, what we have today, but you know, whatever G will be in the future and other type of technologies, for example, we are building virtual antenna systems. So we have access points that now instead of the physical antennas that are built in or outside of these access points, we're building virtual antennas. So we don't know what technology is gonna be in the future, but these are technologies that are both, you know, transitioning to a higher throughput of data, a lower latency and a more flexible interaction with these type of screens, for example, as uh, connection points. And also you mentioned a little bit about cybersecurity. And how are you going to be securing all of these transmission of data through the cloud like we are doing today, right? So just going back for the uh, Olympics in Rio that we did. So one of the main aspects in the Rio Olympics was how we at Cisco were able to mitigate hacker attacks during the Olympics. Another conversation we're having with some publisher companies in esports, we do have a partnership with Riot Game and others, is how do we mitigate hackers getting into the middle of an esports tournament so they, if somebody you know gets into one of those tournaments, they'll mess everything up. And now talking about betting on top of it and other interactions, so cybersecurity is key on any industry. We are the leading as Cisco company in the world in cybersecurity. We even have research companies or research R&D teams. We have a, an R&D team called Talas, who constantly measures and is listening to the internet, listening to spam attacks, listening to everything that we're not looking to try to mitigate that before even bursting to quote unquote, a cyber pandemic. We're mitigating cyber pandemics by the seconds. This is most importantly for us to work on innovation and technologies that are capable of machine learning and getting AI into, you know, embedding these mitigation attacks because we're now talking twofold, humans working against cyber attacks because we have to think as humans against humans 
you know, the white hackers or the black hackers or whoever is fighting against each other, right? But also how we can use automation to take action and mitigate. So we have what we call intuitive networks, our networks that are able to learn from those attacks, learn from all this rich database that we gather in the world and take actions in the networks so they can shut down, you know, the connections that are harmful for those transactions. So wait a minute. So following your line of thought, the subject of the future will be how to mitigate hacker attacks into your ocular system. <laughs> well, yeah, as we are today. That's too scary, right? So listen, but the, the, those all those future technologies, right? I think that the, the risks are taking into this whole new level of advancement. So one, one thing that we were reading on this report that we had access to from EY, the megatrends, is that those advancements in synthetic media, they are also taking fake news to a whole new level. So we're basically discussing here how things are going to be taken to this, so how risks and, and cybersecurity and things like that. But identifying what's reality and what's not Because nowadays, the discussion of fakes is simply what's written, right? And the future will be like, if this video is accurate, if this audio is with what I'm seeing and hearing is actually accurate because synthetic media is, is going to make it too real, right? So it will just get much harder to identify what's fake, what's real. And that's the war for truth, which that's how it's being called, which sounds very poetic. And again, I believe that not only cybersecurity comes into play, but also technologies of identification somehow. I'd love to know your thought about that. Yeah, so you mentioned a, a great report, Ernest Young Mega Trends report. It's awesome. And I learned about it because of future hackers. So again, see how the community is teaching each other. And uh, I think it's a great point regarding synthetic media. It, it comes back to something that I said before in our podcast. So we have today technologies that are called interactive volumetric streaming media, which you can film a person or an environment using volumetric media and portray them into a 3D interactive avatar in real life with high quality. And then who will guarantee that, you know, in the future, in this podcast, is it JP speaking to you, Maria? Is this the real JP or is this the deep fake, you know, next gen deep fake JP? Maybe we have to NFT this podcast right away, right? <laughs> yeah, well, you made a great point. Blockchain is a technology that is trying to bring this trust factor between these connections. So the blockchain trust on NFTs that you have as a baseline could be one of the items to fight for the war for truth to a poetic note that you mentioned, which I love it, but it is. And cybersecurity is one of the pillars, but not the only one. Again, the other is, would I ever say something like we saw deep fakes from Barack Obama on pure video, right? And him saying some things that maybe we think he would never say, right? But then there's the other defense on it, you know, like uh, other presidents or whoever say, oh, I never said that when they really said it live on camera. But then you have to have those technologies to portray what is true, what is something that the person actually would address to or on the knowledge of that person. Because if you ask me anything about, I don't know, cyber surgery 
or you know brain surgery or whatever theme that I, I don't know about and then I speak very well about it then there's something wrong there so you know there's a, a blend of cybersecurity, trusted connections high density deep learning on the subject on the context like the Chinese right Mandarin when you speak Mandarin or Ni Hao Ma Hao is the ideogram of a woman that has a child a woman that has a child in China's history is a, a good thing so that is how you say everything good like Ni Hao Ma Hao that's a context but if you just see the pictogram of a woman that has a child you say what does that mean uh, okay it's a mother no it's how it's is everything good so context is very important. Uh, that's a great answer. And, and, you know, listen, I never shared the questions with him beforehand. So, you know, you're, you're doing a great job, JB. <laughs> well, we're creating here together. So this is a collaboration. Thank you for the questions. I was, I was telling Maria, I would never think about some things if the questions were traditional. So non-traditional questions required a little bit of non-traditional answers. So thank you, Maria. So let's move on to, to a different topic. You shared in our group, so uh, also everybody that is listening, most of the people that comes here to the show and they're our guests, we get everybody together in this WhatsApp group so we can still keep sharing everything, right, JP? And you shared with the group this project called The Lost Tape of the 27 Club, in which AI is used to create album lost to music's mental health crisis. The numbers in the Over the Bridge project, they are just striking to me, right? How prone musicians are to suicide, depression, and other mental health conditions. On the same time that playing music, and I believe it, many other forms of art, it's used as a therapy somehow, right? So maybe people that are so deeply involved with arts and their inner self, they are either more likely to suffering, or maybe the industry normalized it in a way that they lack support to endure it. So you see that I'm going to a whole different place here, right? I'd like to know your thoughts on that. And it would be great if you could tell us about the NGO you founded, which is dedicated to promoting music initiation to vulnerable young people. So that's how I'd like to and our conversation to talk about this beautiful project of yours and this whole context that you put in the discussion in your group. So, yeah, well, your comment, Maria, Future Hacker Group is a great group because we are able to share these experiences. And one that was shared to me was how AI was or is, you know, changing music production, music creation. And then I turned back and said, oh, I learned about this project and well commented that on the Lost Tapes of the 27 Club, where we're able to hear, you know, Kurt Cobain composing a music after, you know, post-mortem and using AI to do that composition and sounds like exactly like him, right? Or other artists that are part of that club, like, uh, you know, Amy Whitehouse, Jimi Hendrix, etc. And that is to fight against mental health issues. And to your point, yes, we suffer a lot because we are humans, right? Not musicians. We are all humans. When I wanted to be a musician back in the day, I, I spoke that with my father and mother. They always supported me, everything that I wanted to do. And I thank my mother and my father for my creation, of course, right? For these capabilities and, and learnings. But then the comment that my father made, well, music doesn't pay. You cannot have a family or you're going to be struggling or whatever. But if that's what you want to do, do it. 
or you know why won't you study you know engineering parallel or go study design or etc and i did so i started studying things in parallel and never left music but my point is there's a lot of musicians that struggle in life economically and that brings of course a mental health problem it's not because of is a thing that is it's only prone to be on a dna of a musician it's something that is an economical situation in my point of view that portrays larger in the musician because the musician also are more emotional less rational right and when we are more emotional and those learnings on our emotions can bring those kind of doubts in our heads and of course it depends on how you were created or how you were raised by your family and also how you know the industry can support it i think these this initiative from the last tape of the 27 club is is incredible you know over the bridge is is one of the institutions but we have many ways to use technology to do so right so ai is creating music as we speak and it's going to be infinite you know not infinite because that's a finite number but I don't know there's a calculation on the top of my head I think if you take all the melodies that are possible using the length of the melody using 10 notes for example in different rhythms and different note combinations the possibility of the creation of number of melodies using 10 notes and different rhythms etc is around I don't know 80 something quintillion different melodies that you can create in the world and parallel to that Spotify maybe has 70 80 million musics published on their on their database. So I think the creative aspect of AI and how it can teach you and use that to portray on what you can create into the future and parallel to that to the point that we were speaking on deep fakes and you know uh, volumetric media how can I interact with for example I don't know Quincy Jones and have him produce my quote unquote out parenthesis i am composing a song with my kids using marlin and mermaid as a theme it's my first composition actually my second but my first yeah oh that's amazing you have to share with us <laughs> oh i hope so you know when we we're done for sure this is something but you know i dream that uh, i could interact with quincy jones for him to produce this song right so i can learn from it and how can we use technology to get quincy jones because i don't have the money to pay quincy jones right nor maybe some context but you know seven levels to get to him but i would use him to just give me some feedbacks in an interactive way and then get me going and then at least on my emotional side that will be good i am not making a living making songs there are people there are and we have to just show them how if you end your life which is something serious not only can stop your creative process which is the thing you love most on the music side but also what things are you going to be losing in life because of that and because now tying to your other conversation because of how we think and me and and the other founders of AIM the association of initiation for music for underprivileged kids we thought how music changed our lives and is changing our lives as we speak and we wanted to give this back to community sports changes lives etc but we are musicians i i don't know how to play soccer even though i'm a brazilian but i know how to play a little bit of drums and a little bit of samba right so the learnings that i had from music on being in a band being responsible collaborative creative making uh, the budget systems for the next concert selling tickets marketing etc that formed me 
as who I am as an entrepreneur, as an executive, as a professional to the industry. And we wanted you to give that back to, to kids, to the majority of kids who are not going to be rock stars or pop stars or whoever. They need to learn how to be better persons, to be collaborative in whatever verticals they work on. And the other part, which are, you know, the top of the pyramid, give them the opportunity because I had the tools. I had a can of milk to bang with my pencil. There are people that don't have neither a can of milk, neither a pencil. So we need to give them the opportunity to be creative, to get to the next step, to talk to the future, etc. So that is what we want to bring back to the community. And we hope that we can we can have success like uh, we, we already have you know, some great stories that we can share. And that was just the perfect way of ending our podcast, right, JP? Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being with us again. It was such a pleasure. And you're one of those guests that I just want to keep talking, you know. So, so we have to end or else my technical team is going to be very angry with me. But thank you so much for being with us. It was a great pleasure. Oh, it's my pleasure, Maria. Thank you, everybody, for the opportunity. I hope to continue learning with you all. Thank you. Future Hacker. Life. Path. Future.